Inspiration now in session. Inspire guys, My wife thinks I'm crazy. How did we get here? I can't believe y'all let me have a show. We going higher and higher, let me inspire you. Guys, people, I see you, let me admire you. He gave you vision and purpose, but you struggle to dream. Cause the seed that was sown wasn't stitched in your jeans. What was in them was denim. I guess what's in them is in them. There's a different perspective that I'm trying to present them. It ain't always peace when you see the peace sign. It don't make you a Levite cause you rock Levi's. What's up, people? I am your host, Jay Will. And I would like to welcome you to Inspire God's People, where we balance faith and business to guide you to your purpose. If you're waiting for things to get easy, you're going to be waiting forever. I know a lot of times in this life, we want things to be perfect before we ever take the first step to give them a try. And we want to feel like we are the best before we even throw ourselves out there like, oh, I'm not going to start my podcast until. This, this, and this. I'm not going to make my album until I'm here or there and all this. And I'm just sharing with y'all, you know, maybe just from a personal perspective. Look, this is my opinion. You could disagree with me and I could be dead wrong. But I truly believe this. And I've experienced this in my life is that you have to step out on faith at some point. You're not going to get better just by sitting still and expecting things to get better. I really believe that's blind faith. I think it's blind faith when we like, all right, I'm going to just say it till I see it. Look, I feel people saying that. I understand y'all saying that, but I, I genuinely don't believe that. Like, I don't think it does anything just to say something until you see it. Number one, the Bible tells us that faith without works is dead. And so if I just sit here and say, I'm going to have a great podcast, I'm going to do Great numbers on my podcast. I'm going to inspire God's people. And I never actually get up, go to the store, buy the headphones that I talked about in episode one, dealing with the lazy superhero, and, you know, purchase the equipment. These were all decisions that were made prior to this podcast being launched. I had to do something. And I'm here to tell you, not only did I not have it all figured out before I took the first step. I don't have it all figured out right now. So if that's breaking news to you, then I'm happy I just broke it myself. Yeah, I don't have it all figured out. I don't know everything. I'm human, just like you. And hopefully in listening to this show, that's what you get, that you're dealing with a real person. like (laughs) Because it's all part of the journey that we're going on together. And there are some things that I know is that you wouldn't be listening to me right now Had I not woke up that one day almost two years ago now and just randomly popped out of my bed and told my wife, I want to buy a studio. I'm not telling you to be hasty. I'm telling you to step out on faith. So I talked through the situation with my wife. She gave me the okay and a stamp of approval. She was supporting what I was doing. And I um, hit up Red. And I asked him like a lot of questions about what I should buy equipment wise and told him what I was looking to do. He helped me through that. And here we are. We dropped Inspire Guys People, the album. And at some point, this podcast came along. And my mindset was like, okay, we'll drop it, launch the show, and we'll just do 12 weeks and see what happens. And here we are about 60 weeks later. But the thing is, I don't get to the 60 weeks until I take the step one. And if you want me to be real, I wasn't 100% sure how these 60 weeks were going to go. And so I'm just trying to urge you versus looking too far ahead. Like, look at that step that's right in front of you. You feel what I'm saying? Do you feel what I'm saying? People are constantly telling me how important it is to be successful or in order to be successful, how important it is to know not just your next move. Some people say your next two moves. I heard an entrepreneur say the other day, uh, you need to, Patrick Bed Davis said, you need to know your next 15 moves. And so there's a lot of emphasis amongst successful people about knowing what you're going to do next. I am convinced and I support that. I don't disagree with them. But I think in part of knowing what you're going to do next, 
all you're really doing is scripting down what you desire to do next. And maybe that's why I have a disconnect with them sometimes. It's like, bro, like, you know, we don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can have goals and things, but it ain't going to be easy, number one, and it's, you're not entitled to it. But I get where they're coming from because some people, they just focus around the fact, hey, you work hard for everything or whatever. But this show is about faith and business. And that's why I don't just focus only on business. Sometimes you can get into the business world and they focus so much on your works. It's so much based on like you and controlling every single aspect of your own life. And of course, I believe that. Be your own boss. You get what I'm saying? I understand the importance of taking initiative, but I also understand the foundation of faith. And so I guess the point of this, and you know, we talk about on this show, balancing faith and business. And that's because I know that there's a lot of people who are in business, who are Christians, and they're trying to filter through. You're reading these books and you're like, man, I don't know what part I should be taking and what part I should be leaving. And so that's where this show comes in. And we talk about these two things as they work together. The very idea of faith lets you know that there's an unknown factor in life or something that you have to be believing that you're going to overcome or something that you don't know. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, something you don't know what's going on. Part of not knowing what's going on means it's not that easy when you have faith. Let's just be real. Not knowing isn't easier. Okay, let me put it like this. Like, if you knew for a fact that on December 19th of 2019, you were going to become a millionaire and today you're homeless. These next however many days, they about to be easy because you know it. But when you have to have faith, you don't know. You're believing. You get what I'm saying? You know, but you don't know. And I know that's a tough thing to think through. And again, I'm just dealing with the, really the surface of it. I'm not trying to get super deep in it, but I guess I'm just saying at each level of our lives, there are different challenges. And so step out on faith. Pray about it first. I'm not telling you to step out on blind faith. Talk to your husband or your wife first. Talk to people you trust. Don't just jump out there. That's not what I'm saying. Do it. You know, I'm not telling you to do something ignorantly. But I am telling you that you got to stop waiting. At some point, you have to start doing. At some point, you have to put work behind your faith. Because without that work, that faith is dead, dead, dead. That faith is dead. You heard what I said. Faith is dead, dead, dead. That faith is dead. Without work. God's people, it is time for the J Wheel Music Song of the Day. And today we debut something new from Reed B. Versus. He's been a guest on the show. The song is entitled A Father's Farewell. It's from his new project entitled Micah's Birthday. He walked with a cool limp, coolest the coolest cooler, and back of a Kruger cruising on new rims. Dive hats with the feathers, shop is attacked with the leather, fashion that matches the weather. They think he has it together, maybe he does, but then again, maybe he doesn't. Creasing his pants that'll cut you, wean tips with the buckle, shotgun with his lady driving his family home. Lean back, vibing, sliding the family stone. Watch shining just like a candelabra Full of candles, this kind of candy you can't imagine I'm trying to imagine, imagining things without my daddy He taught me swagger, it's staggering how he passed the metal Yeah, this is an ode to my old dude Yeah, I know you are gon' do I pray a better place you moved on to One day I'm coming home too This is an ode to my old dude I know you are gon' do I pray a better place you moved on to yeah, one day I'm coming home too You were an original, there's no imitations Your talk I will mimic, your walk I imitated You wasn't perfect, you had your limitations Intimidating, no timidness was your intimation You gave me wisdom, I came to you for your information Your words were piercing sometimes, my heart they penetrated You told me one day that all is fair in love and war You told me watch all your homies cause some are not your boys You told me prison is no place you wanna go That always kept me from doing too much and selling dope you told me how much you really love my mama I wish you were the shoulder over all the drama I remember when mama wanted to put me out You tried hard to convince her to keep me at the house We talked about faith
safe and what we understood. You were not to my music and tell me it was good. You probably don't know how much you meant to me, but that's fine. I know you will eventually. I know you retired. That cancer took its toll. You died well, farewell, friend. Rest your soul. Pops, you don't know how much I miss you right now. You just heard A Father's Farewell by Reed B. Versus from his new project entitled Micah's Birthday. Now, I had the opportunity a couple of weeks ago to meet Micah, who is Reed B. Versus or Doug's son. And little man is a character. I see why you named the project after him and his birthday and why it was a special thing. Uh, that's a funny little kid. He's two years old, going on 25. Y'all check out Reed B Versus. Again, that's Reed, R-E-A-D, B, Versus, V-E-R-S-E-S. Welcome you to TNN, the nothing news, ain't nothing new, we gotta talk about it cause it's touching you, and sometimes you don't know what to do, defending the remnant the Christ descendants, a few real ones left, no substitute, speak the truth, even when it's tough to do, it's a blessing to me, it's luck to you, we may disagree, that's uncomfortable, but you can't reach purpose from a comfort zone, Y'all are listening to The Nothing News with your host, Meech Rio, featuring this I'm, guy. I'm not featuring. <laughs> what up, guys, people? How y'all feeling, man? What man, up, Meech? What's, what's going on, bro? word, man? Listen, I feel good, man. Let's talk about the NFL. So the NFL, which is a very, very open-minded organization, as we all know. Um, I'm being ironic for those who... You know, still trying to learn my tone. But uh, NFL star Demario Davis, he wore a headband that said man of God. And he was fined seven thousand dollars. First off, I think you were being sarcastic, not ironic. Hold on. Educate me. Educate me. They're not the same thing. No. Anyway. So this guy. Sarcastically. Yeah. Yes. This guy is fine. What? Seven thousand dollars. Seven K. Because he had a headband that said, man of God. So let me ask you, what, what is your first thought on this? Because I'm going to disagree with you. Sweet. And then we're going to make the show interesting. Because I know, I think I'm going to disagree with what you're going to say. Sweet. Okay, my first thought of it was, that's crazy. But if you can't kneel, you can't be a man of God. That was my first thought. Oh, so you're going back to like the Kaepernick thing? If you yeah. can't kneel... Yeah, why would you? Well, yeah. Then I think about Tebow. It just reminded me that I don't, that overt Christianity or any type of overt type of expression is just not, I mean, you, you, they own you. So okay. I wasn't surprised. That's right. what I'll say. So I think I process it slightly differently. It doesn't mean we won't come to the same conclusion, mm-hmm. but the road or the journey there may be different. Okay. I'm with it. So for me, the first question, like, all right. Whenever I get stories like this, mm-hmm. I try to first not respond with my initial emotion. Right, right, right. Or whatever seems like on the surface, like, oh, let me take this and run. So you have this guy that's wearing some headband that says, says man of God mm-hmm. in the NFL, and they want to find him. Mm-hmm. So my first thought was like, okay, why are they finding him? Is okay. it because sometimes with these leagues, does it say in the article or yeah, no? Yeah, it says players are barred from wearing items that allow personal expression. Okay, so that's the thing. That's a rule. It's, yeah, it's, like, it's a code of conduct. It's a uniform law, yes. So it wouldn't have mattered if he said, I am light-skinned hmm. or I am dark-skinned. Mm-hmm. Like, they're not finding him because it says man of Ma- God. Man of God. Mm-hmm. They're finding him because it's a self-expression. And that's something across all players mm-hmm. where they are not allowed to express themselves. Now, we could debate or think through or talk yeah. about if that is right to bar someone from expressing themselves. Okay, so so instead of looking at this as every other issue that has happened, if you look at it as just this one issue, it may it can make it different than anything else. Like if we just look at it like yes. with all the racial stuff and uh you know and you know Christianity blah 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 blah, um, 
I can't argue that. I just, I, I just think it's interesting. Like the history for me is where I got where I got. Like it, it has to matter. I saw when um, a player had no God, no peace on his shirt, and they made him to wear it inside out during a press conference, um, which was. But here's my question, though. Are we, and I'm just thinking through it, of course. Right. Like, I'm joking about the disagreeing thing. Like, we're not about to argue on this show or something. Um, <laughs> I'm not about to try to play you. Um, but my point is, like, I'm just thinking through and is it like, for us being Christians, mm-hmm. are we just more likely to pay attention yeah. when um, it's a Christian being fined? Absolutely. Because at the same time a player was fined, was it? I think it was Kaepernick that was fine for wearing the wrong headphones because they were sponsored by someone else. Odell was just fine for wearing a watch. Oh, yeah. That was just three weeks ago. He was just fine. I forget how much. It was more than $7,000. Yeah, it was, because oh, yeah, it was way more than 7000 He wore a watch on the field, and they're barred against wearing hard objects or something like that, whatever. Hmm. And so, for so, yeah, me... So, yeah, so, how do you, so when these type of stories come your way, what's the first thing that you think that we should do as a believer so that even if we want to speak on these things or even how before we process how we process it what's the first thing that you do it's similar to how i feel about the race car Uh if you want to have credibility with stuff then you can't pull it out at times where it's not relevant because then you weaken your argument but other times then it comes off like oh, you just a Christian that want to be mad or you just a black person that want to be mad about everything versus actually talking about things uh-huh. that are happening. So for me, it's more so like, okay, cool. As a believer, when these stories come up, because there are stories where people are clearly being discriminated against right. just because they're a Christian. My thing is, let me first ask myself based on whatever facts I have, Right, is this like targeting to a Christian and it, if I make it that and it's not that then now I'm just in my then emotions and I don't care about the truth yeah then you're wrong and that's pride I got you that makes sense I mean even just reading it more and like and then remember going playing back to the history of it, seeing that issue but then saying oh yeah I remember the headphones remember the watch remember it's been a couple other things um I want to say like shoes and yeah because they can't like yeah they can't customize their shoes. And I think Cam Newton. Is that, made, who, is that who did that? Yeah, Cam okay. Newton was doing that. And it was like they made him stop doing that. That was maybe a year or two ago. Now, okay. I Now, how do you feel about being a Christian athlete or being a Christian in any type of industry and having those type of restrictions? Cause he, because DeMario did say that he was initially conflicted. When they told him to take it off, and then you know he thought he looked into it and said, "Oh, this is a this is a uniform issue," and he said, "Oh, he won't be wearing it again." So, how do you feel as being a believer, being a part of an organization who won't allow you to personally express yourself? Yeah, that's a great question, and that's where you may have me conflicted in my mm. thinking through it, because uh, I'm on one hand, I feel like, wow, you know. We are at a point where we are so restrained, Mm -hmm. like just in everything where we can't express ourselves. And then you have other groups like, you know, who maybe people are lenient. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, Taurus? And then that's where it becomes like kind of tough because it's like if that was a rainbow flag headband, would they have let him still wear it? Right. Would they maybe have even endorsed it. At, okay, we'll make you an NFL rainbow headband to mm-hmm. make it within the policy. I think it just speaks to the reality of where we are as believers. Like, that's the world we live in, and yeah. we have to constantly make those decisions. You know, as I'm thinking about it, because I have been known to go to the extreme in some of these cases, um, so I will offer some, just as I'm thinking through it right now, is that for him, and in that case, because sometimes... Cause all of us have jobs, you know what I'm saying? Everybody has to work or even if you have your own business, you have to uh, carry yourself a certain way. You have to move a certain way. I think that sometimes we can allow ourselves to say, well, I need to do it right here versus being consistent everywhere else and not feeling like you got to do it here or not at all. You get what I'm saying? Like I'm thinking, okay, well, if I can't wear the headband here, that's not going to stop me from doing everything I'm doing in my community or in, in the world Yes, when I'm not on the field at all. We don't like it's it's a tough thing, and yeah. I, I want to be careful how I say this because it's like 
this is a case by case thing. Absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. In, in this particular situation, first yeah. of all, is wearing a headband, like wearing a headband don't make you saved. <laughs> and no, yeah. and a person that says I'm an atheist also can't wear the headband. And most people wouldn't even if there wasn't no fine, if there wasn't any kind of we probably wouldn't even seen. He was on the he was on the side of the field. So outside of them actually filming it or having this article, we wouldn't even seen it anyway. So Right. Um Yeah. So I think maybe now it would be different if they said you can't be a man of God. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like right, so it's right, one right. thing. Like, okay, I don't go to work and walk in and meet my clients and say, I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> go lay hands on you. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, say, hold on, everybody just put your heads down. Just start laying hands on somebody. I also can't go in a business meeting mm-hmm. with a headband that says, I'm a man of God. You know what I'm saying? So it's yeah. kind of like, on, on there's a, a part of me that understands, hey, this just isn't the time for, for, for that. that. There are uh-huh. rules against that. But then you also don't want to see the rules get out of control. Right. And if I don't trust the NFL, so if the question is, hey, do I trust the NFL to properly Right. To manage it? Oh, yeah. No. no not at all. Like, right. it's probably going to get to a point where it's like, yo, I'm a Christian. I might as well not even go to the league. <laughs> I remember when I first started, when I first got saved, wearing shirts that said Jesus, Jesus, or got, like, that was like my cape. Like, I, yeah. I'm talking about, I would like, man, I, or riding down the hood. Like, I would ride down, like, the, the, the hood is hood. And just bump like the super churchiest Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> like I had to find a song that said Jesus very loud just to bang it in that neighborhood. Right. Like that was my 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 public expression of my faith. And as I've become, I mean, as I've gotten older, you know, I've been a Christian for a couple of years now. Not a couple, but you know. Um now is I I do, I do believe it's like your day to day is more than those real loud expressions that we can do. Even though I love, you know, wearing the headbands and the t-shirts and all of that, but I, yeah, yeah, ain't no, ain't nothing wrong with it, and I don't want somebody out there, you know, to feel like that's oh, the tagline. Jay Will is saying that uh, <laughs> it's wrong to wear. Any, don't be a man, right? Yeah, don't no, be a man of God. But but I will say with these leagues in, in general, these sports leagues, it legit does scare me mm-hmm. because I do think they are muzzling believers and even people the philosophies, you know what I mean, of, of Christians. So I do think that, like, let's say um, Drew Brees had that situation a few weeks ago where he was, like, in an interview and somehow they asked him something about homosexuality and it was a... Really? It was a crazy... You ain't see that? No. Man, I maybe that's I why you didn't bring it to the show. Yeah, that it was a crazy nuts. little Drew Brees interview and I was like, man, it's mm. it's to the point in these leagues where... You almost, they're not going to let you be a Christian. Mm-hmm. It's almost like they set the parameters. It's one thing that, I guess what I'm trying to say, it's one thing to set the parameters for what I do on the field. Right. But they're also trying to own you off the field. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, I guess that's, I guess we just got to watch. Because then, I want to say, last, no, two years ago when Philly won, it was a lot of pieces that came out about the faith of the quarterbacks and the team praying before the games and that they had masks on Sunday. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I guess it really depends. No, you see it. All right. Yeah. I think we're at an interesting place. Like people don't mind Christianity. They they mind biblical principle. So like Mm. people aren't like offended when you say you pray before a game. Mm -hmm. They're offended when you call something a sin. (laughs) <laughs> so it's one thing to pray before a game or go to church or be a good, loving guy that loves your family. Right. It's a whole nother thing you for you to come to me and say, stuff. yeah, like, hey, bro, yeah. like, you know, you, you shouldn't be sleeping around. Like, that's that's sin. <laughs> then people feel attacked. Like, whoa, I'm, a, you know, I'm in a league. You can't tell me don't sleep around. That's the world we live in now where all this stuff gets so tricky. Okay. So what is your... Final take back from all of this, man. It's speak to someone in 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 industry, whether I mean even the artists. Like how do how do we play like how we play by this? I believe that regardless of what industry you're you're in, mm-hmm. um, you have to realize that you're the same type of Christian that an unknown person is, although your circumstances may different be different. And what I mean by that is, your life needs to be based on the Bible and not the industry. So if you're an NBA player and 
the culture of the NBA is that, hey, man, you a star. You sleep with different girls in different cities. That's just what we do. <laughs> That's the culture. That you can't be a, a person to adapt to that. That doesn't make it okay for you. You don't have to wear a man of God headband. You have to live your life as a man of God. And I think sometimes with athletes, we can get so, and I'm saying we, like I'm an athlete, you know, I'm I mean, not. Past and present tense. Right. right. But, you know, I guess people can get so caught up in that outward expression yeah. that they not even necessarily focus on, am I really living yes. this life? Yes, yeah, yeah, see, that's good. Or did I just go to the same party they went to last night and do everything they did? And, you know, I'm really living the same life as them, but on the court, I got to wear my man a guy headband. Not saying that's the case with that player. No, right, right, right. But right, I'm right. saying in theory, that's what I think we got to be careful of for anybody who's in that situation. Perfect. Took the words right out of my mouth. That's, I want to say that don't allow outward expression to become the foundation of a, of a relationship that's, that's on the heart. Like we can literally allow how overt we are, how, man, I make Christian music, how, you know, I'm doing all these things that people can see take away the fact that the real work is when no one can see when no one's around and what's really going, going on in your mind and in your heart, in your lifestyle that is never seen or never posted. You know what I'm saying? Like you can have a great marriage online, but if you're not doing the work <laughs> internally, when y'all get divorced, you'll just be just deleting all those pictures anyway. That's it, man. All right, dog. Thanks for joining the show, bro. See you next time. Sweet. It's time to get social. Let's get social. It's time to get social. Let's get social. Let's get social. Let's get social. Let's get social. Guys, people, it's time. It's time to get social. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. It's time, it's time to get social. Yeah, yeah. Guys, people, it's time to get social. And I got something on my mind. First of all, I want y'all to know exactly why this Let's Get Social segment is so dope to me. Can I say that? Can I be honest about that? I look forward to doing this segment. I'm not going to say every week because it's not on every show. But I just enjoy doing this segment because I think social media, social psychology, social science, I think is super important to understanding the way that the world works today. Now, I know some of us like to stay stuck in the past and it's like this technology thing and all. Listen, bruh, it's here. The reason I like to understand it so much is because. I think a lot of times we don't stop to think that these are new tools, resources, and tactics. These things can be used for good, but they can also be used for bad. And I like to understand tools that can be used for bad to prevent and protect myself from becoming victimized of the social science. Now, for everybody who just turned off the show because I'm sounding super woke right now, let me try to make this make sense. Right now, I'm listening to a book called, what is it called? Invisible Influence, The Hidden Forces That Shape Behavior by Jonah Berger. I'm in the final chapter of the book and it's been real good so far. So let me give you all an idea of some of the things that are being talked about in this book and why I think they matter. You know, first of all, it's dealing with social influence and it focuses a lot on how the presence of other people impact the decisions that we make. Now, I know most of us think, oh, I'm just Mr. or Mrs. Independent. I do my own thing. Nobody impacts or affects me. Look, let me tell you that right now. If you think like that, you probably lying to yourself and it's all good. I like to be real. We're all influenced one way or another. I'm influenced by things and I believe you are too. Something as simple as like they talked about why a person chooses the type of car they have or why a person chooses this color versus that color. I'm not going to get into all those things, but I do want to say this. I'm thoroughly convinced that we are having an impact on each other. 
whether it's seeing people's political choices and political views, uh, whether it's seeing where people live or what kind of cars they drive or where they work, we have an impact on each other, positive or negative, believe it or not. Y'all will see me on this segment try to break down a post to kind of show you some of the things that I read or listen to in some of these psychology books because I'm intrigued at how people think and how they react to things. So as an example, I may you know, make a post where I'm literally cracking a joke. And it's pretty obvious to most people with common sense. But I still get people that get upset at me. Like, and they want to argue and be mad. Like, the social media is just interesting. So anyway, I kind of went left field. The book is pretty cool. But there is one thing that really rubbed me the wrong way about this book. And it didn't get introduced into the final chapter. They spent 90% of the book educating us on how social science works and why we do what we do and all these things. In this last chapter, they're talking about how you can use it to create social change and change people's behavior. And so as an example as to why I listen to this type of stuff is because I know this happens. Like, I know that people use social media or organizations or companies or whatever, or movements, whatever you want to say, they use it to control people's behavior by putting out certain messages, applying pressure to people. For instance, when I talk about, like I said, if I want to say a certain joke, if you get all these people that's like, hey, we can't joke about this, it's like, okay, now that's social pressure. Because it's like, oh, wow, I was just joking. But I got a hundred of y'all over here mad at me that I made a joke about a celebrity. So now I'm scared to make this joke about this celebrity. In particular, in a book, they were talking about how you can use this social influence to get people to align with the social climate or, or the climate change um, movement and agenda. And they literally breaking down like how you can get people to use less energy by telling them that their neighbors use less energy. 77% of people in your neighborhood use the fan instead of an air conditioner. And based on their experiments, people literally adjust their behaviors and their habits when they know what their neighbors are doing. Come on, y'all. We all do it to some extent. It's snow outside. You looking out the window. Did my neighbors uh, shovel their snow today? Did they pull the snowblower out today? All right, ain't nobody else did it. I can go ahead and go one more day. But let you, like, let it snow, and then you hear all the snowblowers outside. Making I don't know if that's a snowblower noise or not, but they make a lot of noise. And then it's like, man, I got to get up here and go out here and snowblow this snow. Why? Because your neighbor's doing it. Social influence. And, oh, let me say this before I move on and get into some posts, because we're going to go into some posts. But this is a dope topic to me. If you hate this topic, I'm sorry. For anybody out here that's like, oh, I don't do what anyone else does. I do the opposite. Guess what? You too have been impacted by social influence. Because sometimes when we see what someone else does, we are influenced to do the opposite. And so this gets a lot deeper and there's a lot more to it. I'm not going to bore you with that because I could talk about that all day, believe it or not. I can make a whole episode about talking about that. And I'll probably lose all my listeners. Forget y'all. Y'all don't want to learn. But I guess now it's time to get into these posts. Let's get social. Let's get social. Let's get social. All right, I got quite a few posts to get through today, so let's do this. Here's the first one. It has 138 likes, 175 comments, and four shares. Here's what I said. I don't know who needs to hear this, but hot chocolate tastes better than coffee. Oh, I know I got some haters out there right now. Yeah, yeah, I got some haters out there right now. First of all, let me give you some back story, you know, some perspective. Growing up, I always went to schools that was in another neighborhood, so I always had to catch a bus to school outside of elementary. My mom was one of those type of moms that's always making breakfast. She would make you eat. Hey, boy, eat this sausage. Eat this. Eat, eat these pancakes. Like, my mom used to, it's like, man. 
can't get your mama to cook y'all breakfast these days, little kitties. But that's how it was in the good old days. All right, no shade. I don't know if y'all cooking for y'all kids or not. Just joking. See, I'm just joking. So as part of that breakfast, just about every day of the week, my mother made me a nice hot cup of hot chocolate with marshmallows and sometimes whipped cream in it. And so for me, it's nothing like hot chocolate. It instantly takes me back to the mornings when my mom was cooking breakfast. What up, mama, if you're listening? listening, So I love hot chocolate. And coffee is weird to me. And I will say this, though. A lot of people in these comments who love coffee see how I attack something they love and they got on me, all those comments. No, this was all, like, fun and games. So thankfully, everyone understood that this was a joke, even though, notice, I didn't even need laughing emojis on this one. Had I replaced the words coffee and hot chocolate with Democrat and Republican, people would have lost their mind on this post. But people gave me an idea. They said, look, bro, you got to try coffee mixed with hot chocolate. So what you think I did last night on my way back um, in town off the road for business travel? I stopped right at Tim Hortons and I was like, yeah, do y'all have, you know, some drink where you mix hot chocolate and coffee? Because I never did this before. And they like, yeah, it's called Cafe Mocha. So it has a name, people. It has a name. And I tried it. You know what I walked away thinking? Hot chocolate is better than coffee with hot chocolate in it. Don't play with me, people. Don't water down my standard. It ain't nothing like hot chocolate, and I still feel the same. It was all right. Like, it literally tasted like coffee with hot chocolate in it, and I didn't like that. It was all right, though. Whatever. I ain't like it, but it was all right. Contradicting myself, like y'all do. Next post. Now, let me warn you, this post really triggered some people. Let me say this. Some people probably think I'm posting to, like, just to trigger people or play games or something. No. That's not it. Like, I really mean what I post, but it's more to it sometimes. And I try to say things in a way to create dialogue and hopefully get people to start conversing and not just reacting to every little thing, but to critically think before we respond. Because again, there's so much information flying at you in this world today. If you're going to allow yourself just to get emotionally triggered by every little thing, then you're going you're gonna to be out of your mind. So let's get into this post. It had 123 likes, 39 comments, and 9 shares. And I also posted this on Twitter. And I don't know how many reactions it had there, but it had some negative ones. Here's what I said. Kids these days have attitudes like they pay bills and work 40 hours a week. Now, what happened is I spent some time around my nieces and nephews. And there's some interesting characters amongst my nieces and nephews, and I have quite a few of those. Some of them don't speak sometimes. Some of them do. It's just a lot of different personalities and attitudes. And I guess, like, when I grew up as a child, like, and I'm talking, these, none of these kids are teenagers, right? So when I grew up, my parents taught us to, like, speak to adults. If my uncles or aunts walked in the room, You don't just get to walk past grown people like you grown. As a matter of fact, if the grown people were having a conversation, you didn't get to stand in there with them. You couldn't even be in the room, you know, which nowadays I guess is crazy to people because I'm talking to kids, mamas and daddies and the kids sitting there with their arms folded and their legs crossed. And so I made a joke. Now, I get it. There's some seriousness to this joke, but it's also an exaggeration. I think anyone can get it, what I mean when I'm saying this, you know. But I had some people like this one girl in particular, she went in on me. And I'm not, I don't want to say people names when it's maybe slightly negative connotation because I don't want anyone to feel like I'm attacking them. That's not the case. But I genuinely didn't understand. Like this girl went in on me about how kids do work 40 hours a week and like kids are people and It was a couple of negative ones and I was just lost. Like, okay, so you mean to tell me that I have to get serious about this now? Like, because you're upset, I have to have a serious conversation with you about a joke. And I'm going to say something to y'all because I respect people. I respect difference of opinion and all of that. But I'm not lying. 
I'm not going to let people pull me into any and everything that they want to pull me into. Like, I'm not going to live a life where people on social media or in the real world at large control me because you're taking something wrong. Like, no, you don't get to tell me what I mean. You know what I'm saying? Like, hopefully that makes sense. And I tried to reason with her and she just went like way in on me. Like she went more in and I just, um, unfortunately, I was like, I just got to unfriend her. Like, I don't, I don't get why we friends. Cause if you taking this wrong, you clearly not listening to my show. We're not engaging or conversing on nothing else. You just out of the blue mad at me for this. So all love, no, you know, no hard feelings, but sometimes you got to unfriend people. And I'm not saying you can't give a disagreeing statement, but as we talked about in one of the earlier shows and maybe a couple times, it's just weird when all you do is disagree with someone. Why be connected at all? If every time you jump on my post, you're, you're mad, mad at me. You're mad at me. You're mad and so that leads me to my next post. This post had 129 likes, 28 comments, and 11 shares. And this was not a joke. Here's what I said. There's freedom in unfriending negative people who are always angry. I don't even think I got to go that deep into that one. But there's freedom. I guess I'm trying to get y'all to see with this social influence and social media, the company that we keep matters. And one thing that I'm convinced of and studying, you know, psychology and social science and just reading and listening to books is that you can lie to yourself and say that your environment doesn't um, impact or affect you, but that's what you're doing. You're lying to yourself. Like there's a reason that people who go to Harvard, you know, they always start in businesses with other people from Harvard. And it's like, well, you know, you might be thinking, well, why can't I do that? Well, it's because you went to Backyard University. And listen, people in Backyard University don't have that mentality. No offense if you went to school in the backyard. But my point is, you know, I'm trying to surround myself as much as I can. And social media is a controllable environment. That's what we got to realize. So when I say as much as I can, that's something I can control. The post I'm seeing, the people I'm allowing to have my space and Oh, have my space. See how I'm preaching social media? You see it? My space? This post had 84 likes, nine comments, and 11 shares. Here's what I said. People may think you're acting funny when you outgrow them. At the end of the day, there is a theme when you listen to what we talked about on Let's Get Social Today. We talked about social impact and social influence and really the importance of guarding your environment and the people you allow to be in your space. And here's the thing that you got to understand. Sometimes we outgrow people. Sometimes people outgrow us. So be careful. Don't be the one getting outgrown. But sometimes we outgrow people, and people might think you acting funny. But my thing is, I'm not about to stay around, you know, for you to be super negative person and mad at me for stuff. And I'm trying to grow like I'm, I'm doing something else. I'm going somewhere else. I'm not staying around you for you to be negative person in my life. And you could think I'm acting funny and I'm outgrow you. And, you know, God bless you and I love you. Now, I'm not saying that's always the case. So don't take this wrong. But if you find yourself in a situation where your environment is continuing to pull you down and you feeling super negative and feeling like, man, like, I can't even... You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm trying to be on this purpose walk and trying to follow Christ and do this or do that. And I can't even do it because I got Johnny and Joe over here that want to make me be the old me. And I don't want to be the old me. You know what I'm saying? We all got to move on. All right. You know what? I want to share this article that I came across on Healthline.com. And I think it's relevant to the conversation that we're having today about social media. And hopefully I'll be able to kind of make my point a little better or articulate it, you know, so that everyone understands exactly where I'm coming from. So we're going to jump into this article and I'm going to give some feedback and commentary, you know, at different points throughout it. We're not going to read the entire thing because it's kind of long, but I'll tell you where you can find it. So it's on Healthline.com. It's written by Jennifer Shizak. That's C-H-E-S-A-K, and medically reviewed by Timothy J. Legg, Ph.D. in psychology on January 9, 2018. Here is the title of the article, Social Media is Killing Your Friendships. 
So let's jump into it. Jennifer says, you're only meant to have 150 friends. So what about your social media? Nobody is a stranger to deep diving into the social media Facebook rabbit hole. You know the scenario. For me, it's a Tuesday night and I'm unwinding in bed, mindlessly scrolling just a little, quote unquote, when a half hour later, I'm no closer to resting. I'll comment on a friend's post and then Facebook suggests friending a former class night. classmate. But instead of doing that, I scroll through their profile, learn about the last few years of their entire life until I see an article that sends me down a research spiral and a comment section that leaves my brain on hyperdrive. The next morning, I wake up feeling drained. Now, that's kind of crazy because I know a lot of people can relate to that. And what it makes me think about is just with these phones and with this access to social media, how quickly we could go down a crazy path. Like you could be up in the middle of the night, like she's saying, and oh, Facebook suggests a friend and you looking at these people page and you didn't, you know, looked at the last 10 years of their life. Then you saw a comment or an article and now you in Timbuktu somewhere and you just gone. It's three o'clock in the morning and you in Timbuktu. 3 a.m. in Timbuktu. So far, Jennifer, I think this article is well written. Let's see what else she has to say. Maybe as we tell ourselves that we're online to stay connected, we're unknowingly draining our social energy for in-person interactions. What if every like, heart, and reply we give to someone on the internet is actually taken away from our energy for offline friendships? So she goes on to say, there's a capacity for friendships even online. All right, pause. So this is interesting to me that now she's getting ready to get into her argument for the case that we're not really designed to have more than 150 friends. Now, this is just me talking. I think most of us know that unconsciously as it relates to offline, real life. But I don't think we've given the social media impact to our friendships and relationships a lot of thought yet. And the reason I think that is, is because we sometimes forget social media is so new. That's why I spend time talking about it, because it's new and it has a huge impact on our lives. And I think sometimes we have to stop and be like, whoa, all right, what do I do with this? You know what I'm saying? Because it's just coming at us so quick and so aggressive. So let's keep reading. While our brains can tell the difference between chatting online and in-person social interaction, it's unlikely we've developed more or a separate set of energy just for social media use. There's a limit as to how many people we're truly in touch with and have energy for. It seems we really can only handle about 150 friends, including family members, says R.I.M. Dunbar, Ph.D., a professor in the Department of Experimental Psychology at the University of Oxford. Man, that was a lot to say. He tells Healthline that this limit is set by the size of our brains. According to Dunbar, this is one of the two constraints that determine how many friends we have. Dunbar and other researchers established this by conducting brain scans, finding that the number of friends we have off and online is related to the size of our neural cortex, the part of the brain that manages relationships. Let's pause and think about this. When did you ever listen to Inspire God's People and think that I would start talking about your neural cortex? Round of applause for me right now, people. We are talking about neural cortexes on Inspire God's People. Yeah. Let's get back into this article. The time you invest in a relationship determines the strength of the relationship, Dunbar says. But Dunbar's recent study suggests that even though social media allows us to break through the glass ceiling of maintaining offline relationships and have larger social networks, it doesn't overcome our natural capacity for friendships. All right, y'all. What he's saying here, you know, the doctor is arguing that, or he or she, well, does it say he? I don't know. R.I.M. Dunbar? You know, I don't know. That could be a man or a woman. R.I.M. was... Acronym, so I don't know what's going on there. But the doctor is suggesting that, yes, social media allows you to have more friends and maintain a larger base of friends. However, it does not then in turn mean that mentally your brain has adapted to be able to handle this overload. 
So it's almost like if you think about a car overheating, it's like, oh, yeah, go ahead and drive the car while the check engine light is on. That doesn't mean you're supposed to just because the car hasn't broke down yet. Some of us need some check engine lights for our spirit. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, you're breaking down, brother. You're overheating, ma'am. Okay, my bad. Let's get back into the article. Often within the 150 limit, we have inner circles or layers that require a certain amount of regular interaction to maintain the friendship. Amen to that. I am a huge per like proponent. Is that the word? All right, don't judge me if I said the wrong word. Forget y'all. Look, I am in huge support of the idea that you have to spend time with your friends in order to be friends. Some people swear they're your friend. Like, we so cool, but you never came to nothing I invited you to. You never invited me to anything. I haven't talked to you in three years until you need something. And I'm not saying that, you know, we ain't family or can still be cool. And family is a little different here. And I think they mentioned this in the article, if I remember correctly. But at the end of the day, those aren't your strongest friendships. And so this idea, now this is still me talking. Now I'm just going on a tangent like I wrote the article. Like I have 9,000, you know, friends or followers or whatever you want to call them, I think, on Instagram, 9,500. And when you think about it, I see the same 15 to 20 posts every day from the same people. Same thing on uh, Facebook. I got 5,000 friends, but they show me the same 20 people. It's because of the algorithms that these social media websites have um, implemented into their system. Because Facebook has studied the same thing that we're reading about in this book. And they know that you don't have the energy or mental capacity to really be able to handle 5,000 friends. It's an overload, right? So what they do is say, okay, cool. Our algorithm is going to figure out who are your top 20, 30 friends or whatever, I don't know the exact number, we're going to make sure you see the posts that those people are putting out because in turn, Facebook is thinking this is going to bring better interaction to our website. And now that I, this is the first time I thought of it this way, I knew about the algorithms, but I never thought about it in this way that what they're trying to do is simulate a real life scenario for you. So they're trying to make this website as close to real life as possible because then you'll spend more time on Facebook. The more it's like real life or an alternative to real life, then the more you will pay attention to social media versus your offline friendships. So I'm going to read that last part again because I think it's that dope. Often within the 150 limit, we have inner circles or layers that require a certain amount of Regular interaction to maintain a friendship, whether that's grabbing coffee or at least having some type of back and forth conversation. Think about your own social circle and how many of those friends you consider closer than others. Dunbar concludes that each circle requires different amounts of commitment and interaction. So think about your circle of friends, right? The people that you tend to spend the most time with, those are the people that you probably nine times out of 10 would say you have the stronger relationship with people like to call you their friend. And I, I'm, I take the word friend very seriously. And the reason I do is because I didn't always just like a lot of things with me, the way I am today is not how I've always been. So please believe I haven't always thought like this or had this perspective or been this mature, but I take the word friend very seriously because Throughout my life, I've called so many people friends. So many people have called me friend, and I've thought people were my friends, and maybe people thought I was a better friend, right, um, at different times in my life. But I've learned to understand what a real friendship is and that it takes more energy and commitment to be a friend in real life. Let me give you an example. You know, we kind of have this habit now that we express our personal feelings to people on Facebook. So, okay, cool. I could do that from the couch. It's your birthday. Happy birthday. Post a picture of us. I'm done. I've been a good friend. Whereas in reality, to be a good friend may be that you're having a birthday dinner and I actually have to show up somewhere in person, meaning I have to get up, put on clothes, get in a car, drive, spend money to spend time with you. 
You see the difference between those two things? And so many of us now have been conditioned to think that the former means we're a real friend. Oh, because you posted a picture. And that's why I don't do that. I don't have a problem with that. But I tell people all the time, from my mom to my brothers and sisters to my wife, it's okay if you do that and, right, but not instead of. I'm not going to give you that and be like, oh, cool, that was your anniversary gift. All right, let's get back to this article. So what happens if you have a friend or follower number greater than 150 on your social media networks? Dunbar says it's a meaningless number. We're fooling ourselves, he explains. You can certainly sign up as many people as you like, but that doesn't make them friends. All we are doing is signing up people that we would normally think of as acquaintances in the off acquaintances I can talk in the offline world. The writer goes on to say, there are consequences to your energy levels when engaging in the comments. Using your energy for extensive social media interaction with strangers may be draining your resources. After the election, I considered social media an opportunity to bridge the political divide. I crafted what I hoped were respectful political posts about women's rights and climate change. It backfired when someone barraged me with uncomfortable direct messages, causing my adrenaline to soar. I had to then question my next steps. Is engaging a response healthy for me and my friendships? God's people. Are you understanding the words that are coming out of my mouth? Listen to me. Are y'all like hearing what's being said in this article? She had to question herself simply because she tried to engage the whole political climate and all of the serious topics in what at least she thought was a respectful and fair way. And it wasn't until she started being barraged with these negative comments that she had to question like, yo, is this even healthy? And I'm telling y'all, if you find yourself at that point, and that's where I find myself sometimes, and that's why I had to unfriend her. Like, oh, girl that I told y'all about earlier, it wasn't nothing personal. It wasn't nothing other than the fact that I'm like, yo, this is draining me. The fact that I thought I was approaching something a certain way to be able to have dialogue, because I do like healthy dialogue, whether you disagree or agree. But this person went and they made like another post about me. Um, I'm kind of used to that now. What people do is first they get negative on my comments. And then if I click their page just to see their last post will be about me. And I'll know it because I'm like, oh, you just got negative about me and they never say my name or something. But it's like now you got to go. And I'm like, if you're doing that, that's like that's like negative energy that I don't want in my life. And. If I can control it like I can social media, and, and look, I need this to be chopped down to 150 friends anyway. <laughs> look, you can't be in that 150 that's hitting the algorithm and I'm seeing your posts. You may be able to go on those other 8,000 posts that I'm never going to see somewhere in oblivion, but with all due respect, I got to unfriend you. I got to unfriend you. I got to unfriend you. And I shared this with y'all so y'all can ask yourselves these questions before you allow yourself to become drained by arguing with people and becoming so negative on this platform of social media. And don't get me wrong, I understand sometimes we talk about difficult and serious things because we live in this like heightened social and political climate. But I truly believe as believers that we have to be led by the Spirit of God. We don't have to do what the world does the way that they do it. So seek the Lord Jesus Christ, read the Bible, and build healthy friendships. For me, I'm be in my own world. Create for the creator when I'm in my own world. I serve below the surface, it's layers to my purpose. Inspire God's people when I'm in my own world. Look in the sky, there ain't no stars in it. The art is all natural and authentic. 
Rivers of love, we swimming for us. We can't drown if we fall in it. If you looking for me, I be in my own world. Create for the creator when I'm in my own world. I surf below the surface, it's layers to my purpose. Inspire God's people when I'm in my own world.